every generation there is a chosen podcast. It alone will analyze the subtext, the allegory, and the clever Whedon-esque dialogue. It is Conversations with Dead People. Welcome to Conversations with Dead People, a post-mortem podcast on the works of Joss Whedon. My name's Paul, and I'm your host, and I am typically joined by... Who else would I be? Of course I'm the host. <laughs> typically, uh, I'm joined by guests from the worlds of fandom and academia as we make our way through the critically acclaimed series Buffy the Vampire Slayer and its spin-off series Angel. This week, we've made it to the end of an era as Buffy says goodbye to the WB network and literally everyone and everything else in the season five finale, The Gift. Uh, and talking with me tonight is Michael Holland, post-production supervisor for American Horror Story. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you so much for having me again. So unless I'm mistaken, that, uh, that title that I just introduced you by post-production yes. supervisor for American Horror Story. That's not how I have previously introduced you. No, no. There was, um, yeah, previously I was at, uh, at Warner Brothers, and, and I was offered a gig with, you know, with Ryan Murphy Television to come on board American Horror Story for its ninth season, um, which just premiered, last, just premiered this week. So if you love horror and you love the 80s, um, it is a really fun season. But, uh, yes, I was approached by them, and it's kind of like being punched for a fraternity. <laughs> I I didn't know that I could pass it up, um, and I sort of said the same thing to my wife. I was like, "This is pretty amazing," and and despite going, you know, from a studio gig, you know, and and a, you know, basically a steady paycheck and four hundred one k and all that kind of wonderful, you know, steady stuff, where I was there for three years. I still said I don't know that I can pass this up, and and I'm really glad that I didn't because, as as you can imagine, being part of Ryan Murphy Television is is a pretty special thing, especially in this sort of renaissance that he's in right now. Yeah, um, that's uh that's incredible. So, um, yeah, I I uh, I told you off mic, but I will admit my I'll confess my sins here on mic for our listeners <laughs> that um, you are the host. Co <laughs> coincidentally enough. Yeah, that's my biggest sin is being the host of this podcast. Um, <laughs> coincidentally enough, this season of American Horror Story, which you have just uh, shockingly informed me is the ninth season, good Lord, uh, will be the first season of that series that my wife and I have ever watched even a single episode for because neither one of us are um, and we did. I, I didn't know about your involvement with it until like literally five minutes ago. Sure. Um, but uh, neither my fan nor myself are particularly fans of horror, um, but we are super fans of the 80s. <laughs> so uh, my wife was like, yeah, it's 1984. I think we're going to have to watch that. So, yeah. You're now welcome. I hope you enjoy. Yeah, I, I will be uh, I will be imbibing your first. Yeah. It'll be our first season together, Michael. Together. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it just premiered this week. So, um, um, yeah. 
dive in. Yeah, it's on my DVR. We haven't watched it yet, but uh, my wife set it up to record. So nice. Well, that's very cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, all right, so let me uh, let me drop the spoiler warning here, uh, and then we can get right into our discussion. So, if anyone listening, if for some reason this is your first time here, uh, conversations with dead people is not a typical rewatch and review podcast. Uh, we're going to be exploring the plots, characters, and themes of each episode in depth and within the context of the series as a whole. That means spoilers and lots of them. So I recommend if you haven't already watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the series all the way through at least once, press pause on this, go watch that, come back and find us when you're done. Uh, in the meantime, with all of that out of the way, Michael, if you're ready, let's go to work. Absolutely. All right. So here we are at the end of all things. Not really. Not quite yet. But yeah. it's it's it could have been at one. Yeah. At one, like yeah, at one point, it, it was conceived as if this could be the end of all things. Uh, this is episode 522, The Gift, the season five finale and the very last episode of Buffy to ever air on the WB network. Yeah. And I, and they it, it was pretty widely known that it was going to be the last episode on WB. That was a it was a swan song at the time. Yeah. And I don't even think that the UPM deal was. Um, was announced or chatted about, or it certainly wasn't announced. And it may have been, you know, backroom conversation, but we, we were all a little bit afraid that this could be it. I, I don't remember how it all, I, I don't remember the details. I feel like by the time this aired, I, I thought we knew that it was coming back, but maybe I could be misremembering that. I thought we knew, but no, maybe I'm misremembering. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it was all, I, I'm sure my, my super smart academic listeners uh, have these details down. They will, they will yeah. correct, correct us if we are mistaken about that. But anyways, um, all right. So it's funny. Cause it, yeah. Cause I, when I rewatched it for this, I, I feel like I remember there was like this WB thank you at the end. And that's at least not on the version that I just watched. Yeah. I've been watching it on, uh, on Hulu and it, I also was waiting to see if they would leave that thing tacked on at the end and they did not. Yeah. But it was nice. I, I, cause I, I did want to say I, we should open with the very, 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 very beginning of this episode, which is one of my favorite things um, across the series, which is that previously on. Yeah. Um, I, I absolutely adore it. Yeah, um, I agree. But on certain, on certain platforms, they still include it. Cause I don't think it's on the DVD even. Oh really? If I remember correctly. Huh? Um, um, yeah, I absolutely adore it. It is so good. It was it was on the Hulu version, so yeah. And then it, I mean, to it's so well cut and it's so much fun. And then to go right into that that uh, camera move down the alley, I just I adore it so much. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you the the rumor that I've heard is that that uh, previously on segment uh, was supposed to contain clips. Clips is being generous because by the end they are zipping through that stuff super fast. But yeah. uh, it supposedly it was meant to include clips from all 99 episodes. So this was the hundredth episode of Buffy, which means that with this episode, with the season five finale, it officially qualified for syndication. Um, right. But uh, it was supposed to include clips from all 99 of the preceding episodes. But I have, I have heard that that's not actually true. I don't know. That's a great trivia, trivia question. I've heard that there are there are a handful of episodes that didn't have anything in there, including if this is true, it's tragic that Lie to Me and Fool for Love did not get clips in there. Wow. But again, it was going way too fast for me to have picked any of yeah. that stuff out. So that's just a that's just a rumor I've heard. Yeah. 
that's a great trivia question. Uh, but yeah, it's a great way to open. And uh, the fact that it does just smash right into a classic like season one Buffy opening. Yeah, and that's that's one thing I did want to say. Was I was that cold open is is so good because it. In, in a great way. It has nothing to do with this episode. It has nothing to do with this season. And yet it is a perfect microcosm of the series. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is very much like we're going to go back to what this show is because, you know, we're, we're quote unquote ending it. All right. I love that. Um, and I loved her. I loved her line ending that cold open when, like the guy that she saves is like, but but you're just a girl, and she's like, yeah. that's what I've been telling people. Or or what is what does she say? Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's what uh, I keep, that's what I keep saying. That's what I keep saying. Yeah, so good. Um, okay, so and she's quippy and she's funny and she's yeah, I mean she's Peter Parker again, which is so season one, right? Um, or two, what you know, you can early Buffy, you know. Um, and then to come right back into it after the main title and go right back to the heavy, I love because it you know it felt like where we should be for the season. But just to get that that like I say that kind of micro, series microcosm moment is just oh so good. And it feels like forever. I know it hasn't been. I know I know we've had vampires in season five, but uh, with all of the dawn and glory and and death of Joyce and all that stuff, it feels like it's been forever since. Buffy has just staked a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, she, yeah. she even kind of, kind of references that herself, but, uh, yeah. uh, and then well, when she, when she goes back in and they're like, is everything all right out there? And she's like, eh, vampire. Everyone's like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Sanders like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It is funny that, you know, it, you know, and, and, and it's a tough thing, you know, it's, it's kind of the Superman asterisk. If it's like, if you have your hero be, so powerful what do you do to you know fight him or her um you know and it's funny to think that we've gone from vampire to god yeah uh, in in five seasons although it was interesting to note i mean I, i i'm glad they did it and i know why they did it uh but it's interesting to note that that sort of i mean that goofy just one off vampire that she fights in the alley still manages to fling her all over that alley yeah like he's still he still seems like a pseudo threat to her. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that you wanted, I think you wanted it to be that microcosm of a show Yeah, and to be like, she, she does fight these things. She does, you know, it, it, it isn't, and I'm jumping way ahead here, but it's not like the wonderful Joel gray, you mm. know, top off at the end. Like, I don't think you wanted it to kind of be quippy right at the very begin- beginning. You know, it's it's she fights this battle. She she is quippy during it. You know, the the the, the boy can be the damsel in distress. You know, she can off them and she can go you know on about her day and still be surprised that the world doesn't understand her and she doesn't quite understand the world. I, like I said, it's a perfect microcosm. Um, but I think you wanted a, a simple little fight there. Yeah. It you know it it wasn't the time to be like. Oh, okay, bam, bye. And it and it wouldn't have sort of harkened back to the beginning of the series if she had just instantly handled this vampire. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it had to sort of recapture the experience of early Buffy. Yeah. Um, okay, but uh, moving into current Buffy, <laughs> once yeah. she does that vampire and goes back into the uh, the magic box, uh, things get serious. 
Yeah, it's heavy again. Yeah. And, I, and that, it's almost the, the whole first act. I think it's a six-minute scene mm. in that in that magic box. And I think it flies. I think it's got that wonderful sort of Joss pace. But I just, I, I did want to point out perhaps the obvious, but it is six minutes of setup for the, for the show. And they hit, I think, you know, a lot of very, very big things in it um, that feel a little bit like a recap and it feels a little bit like we need to tell you how bad this is so that, you know, when we quote unquote win, it'll feel like, you know, an obstacle. But they talk about, you know, Dawn having to quote unquote die. They talk about Ben, you know, being able to die. And why don't we do that? We talk about like Giles having to do things that other people may not be able to. We talk about, you know, Buffy willing to sacrifice herself for Dawn and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's all these wonderful bits of texture. And I think it's, and this is to Joss's credit. I mean, I think he always does texture really, he paces his texture well, mm-hmm. but it is, a, it is six minutes of setup that make you go, oh, there's that, there's that, there's that. And it's kind of in that second or third viewing that you go, oh, they're setting up that. Oh, they're setting up that. Oh, they're setting up that. But I think it's done really well for six minutes. That's long. Yeah, I I hadn't. uh, That's long. I hadn't realized that that scene went that long, but um, I mean, yeah, the first half of the entire episode is like set up. There's so much, there's so much build to the final confrontation. But uh, and one of my favorite scenes uh, comes in that six minute setup when, so when Giles pushes back so angrily at Buffy's refusal to even consider the sort of the darker option. Um, that's like one of my favorite things in this episode. And maybe it, it's among my favorite scenes in the series because there's something I, I make no secret of the fact that Wesley Wyndham price is one of my favorite characters of all time. Uh, something that I love about Wesley, particularly as he uh, went on to grow and develop over on angel uh, is his willingness to consider even the most emotionally traumatic means of defeating an enemy if it means saving the world. Yeah. In fact, so this is the season five finale of Buffy, the same night that this aired, the season two finale of Angel aired. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, in they're, the, in, they're in Lauren's. They yeah, go back to Lauren's. Uh, yes. Dimension, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, there's no place like Plurt's Glurb. I don't know how to say that out loud, but anyways. <laughs> Uh, and in that episode, uh, you get uh, Wesley delivers the line, uh, you try not to get anybody killed, you wind up getting everybody killed. Uh, yeah. So Wesley is fa- is facing the same kind of situation in that finale. Um, and that's also the end of that episode um, is the crossover because after the gift, Willow goes to L.A. to tell. Oh, that's right. And he she delivers the news. That's right. Yeah. So. Uh, but anyway, so I just, I've always loved that about Wesley and, uh, I love seeing that in Giles and it continues. Like he, he's also, it's so weird. Giles came first. I get that. I understand, <laughs> but it's so weird that, uh, as I was rewatching it, I, and, and he was smothering Ben at the end. Um, I was like, Oh, that's very Wesley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I just love, I love that Giles was willing to push back that hard. And I love the, um, it's not really a confrontation, but the, the sort of 
tete-a-tete between him and Buffy in the uh, in the dojo out back when he says, yeah. you probably hate me right now. And she says, if you try to hurt her, you know, I'll stop you. And his he's just like, oh, I know. Yeah. I, I, the the respect between the two of them right there in that scene was incredible. I agree. It's it's one thing I actually noted is despite the when he jumps up and he says we bloody well are talking about it, he still can't and, say and, it. And, well, I mean, but he still has that still like fatherly kind of macro view of it, and he does go in to talk to her, mm-hmm. and he still says, "Okay, we you know you probably hate me right now," and that's it's it's one of those great father figure moments of him. You know, that he's willing to do all the dark things, and we believe it, because we've already met Ripper. Um, and especially on the second viewing, we know what's coming. Mm-hmm. But I love there's there's still that moment that he goes in and talks to her. And and she doesn't feel the confrontation too much anymore. She's like, you know I'll stop you. He's like, I know. And then all of a sudden they have this really nice moment of how many apocalypses has this been? You know, I loved Angel. I I had to do that, but I don't know that I can do that anymore. Uh it's 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 this great confrontational moment backed by this great father daughter moment. Yeah. Um it's it's interesting that Giles well, no, I'll save that till we get I'll try to take this in order. I I won't jump to the end, but um how do you feel about um I mean, this is a pretty easy question to answer but how do you feel about the characterization of everybody of the entire scooby gang in this in this episode oh i think it's it's fine i think it's great you know like my problem with the character characterizations don't ever they don't really come into play until six okay (laughs) you know um in fact you know one of the one of the big moments i absolutely adore in this is when xander is he basically proposes and he says are you sure about that or she says, oh, I've never been so nervous. And he whips out the ring and she, he says, are you so sure about that? Yeah. You know, and looking kind of on this, I'm like, oh, that's such a nice moment. I believe these two. I like these. Or I believe these two together. I like these two together. Um, and knowing that Joss was always putting a button on every season, you know, because it wasn't until UPN was picked up for two seasons that he ever knew ahead of time that there would be a season following so that, you know, he, he could never do a cliffhanger. He could never do something that didn't feel like he was putting a bow on it, which is why the first five seasons feel that way. Mm-hmm. And this is a, you know, obviously a huge bow by, by for all practical purposes, ending Buffy's story. Um, but, you know, kind of life goes on and that's kind of her point and it's her speech at the end. But we get that with, um, you know, and again, that's kind of my big problem with what they do with Spike and Six, because the moment—and we're jumping all over the place here—but cool. the moment, the moment of Spike, and he's like, "Buffy, I can't go across the threshold," and she invites him in, and then he has that moment at the bottom of the stairs, which is this sort of wonderful fo- foreshadow to that their last moment together in Chosen. Mm-hmm. I feel like everybody has their moment. Uh, you know, Willow and Tara are back together. You know, she's Tara again. Um, Giles has that fatherly scene with her. So he's willing to do the, the dirty deed, but he's also willing to still be the, 
you know, fatherly figure. I don't know why I'm stuck on that, but um, Spike has his moment. Uh, Xander and, and Anya have theirs. I, I feel like, and then, you know, we even get the call back to Joyce where it's like all Buffy wants out of this is I just, I just wish my mom was here. Yeah. I think all of the characterizations are buttoned up, I think, really well. So I've gotten, not in trouble, but I've gotten a little bit of pushback occasionally, more than I expected to, actually. Uh, the few times that I've said that, um, there, there are things in season six and things in season seven that like, I wouldn't trade there. There are at least one of the episodes that is easily, <laughs> uh, you know, arguably one of the best of the entire series comes in season six. Uh, however, leaving that aside, I personally kind of wish that this had been the series finale. Yeah. Um, because it felt because it felt i mean i just liked it 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 really felt like a fitting season finale and and um i don't know i kind of i thought that a lot of people maybe had felt that way but i've mentioned that a few times and it, it seems like everyone's like oh no no not at all i don't think so so well, how, how do you I, feel i would have been fine with it yeah yeah it feels really good you know despite it despite taking her out you know it's, it doesn't have those first four seasons of, okay, life's going to go on for everybody, but I think it gives us enough of a life is going to go on um, even without her, you know? Yeah. I think it's a very nice bow, or would have been a very nice bow. Would have been. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, but again, just to reiterate, there is some truly, there is some great stuff still to come, but oh, totally. I mean, I, I've made no bones about, you know, my, my feeling about season six and yet we get once more and I'm, and I don't know how alone I am in this, but I think normal again is a, is an incredible episode. And I always, I remember saying this when it aired that that should, had they ever done a Buffy movie, that should have been the plot oh, the man. of just what if it was a perfect comic book. What if, storyline or spine you know of just what if this was in somebody's head what if this wasn't real and it, i'm sorry this is way spoilery but i absolutely adore the moment at the end where basically she says um uh, you know i don't know what's real anymore but i'm choosing my friends in this world you know the one that we all know and i was like oh my i was floored i was i, I absolutely love that episode i I agree. I totally agree with you. And that's another thing that I've gotten some surprising pushback on where uh, that's one of those episodes that I just took for granted that everybody thought was absolutely utterly brilliant. And, you know, it would always be, it would always make it onto a list of, of favorites or whatever. If you ask yeah. someone to list the, the top 10 episodes of Buffy, that that would make the cut. Um, and there've been a, a shocking number of people that I've spoken to recently that are like, no, I, I kind of hated that whole, uh, maybe it's all in her head aspect. So I don't know. I, it shouldn't surprise me. I mean, uh, the fan base is so huge, uh, yeah. and we're all individuals that, uh, everybody has their own read on stuff, but I just, uh, I, I always took a uh, normal again for granted. And apparently you and I are not, yeah. I, I don't know if we're in the minority, but not yeah. everybody agrees with us on that one. Yeah. Fair. Enough. Which is, yeah, which is totally fair. I, they're uh, not invited on this show. Oh, <laughs> <but. laughs> uh, not true. I would love to have them on the show. And, and uh, oh, I would too, yeah. 
I don't remember who's signed up for normal again. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to look and, and research and find out if it's somebody who wants to come on and and uh, and shoot normal again down. I don't. Yeah. I don't oh, remember. totally. Yeah, I mean, it would be fair. It'd be it'd be it'd be anticlimactic for you and I to chat about it because we would just kind of fawn over it. For yeah. Now. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyways, back to the gift. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, where do you want to go next? Who do? Okay, you talked. You mentioned Spike, and since he's my boy, I need to talk about oh, this. Yeah. You said that everybody gets a good moment, and you, and you, uh, uh, everybody has a has a moment in the episode, and and you you pointed out him being reinvited back into Buffy's house as uh, as his moment. So good. Um, it is. It's incredible. I love that scene, and um, I also think of that scene as almost a foreshadow. <clears throat> excuse me i'm choking up almost a foreshadowing of i think it's episode three or four in uh season six afterlife which happens to be one of my favorites um, i'd have to see it again which what happens in it uh it's the one where he spike first see her first oh, sees her oh, yes. after right. she's come back and she's coming yep. down the stairs and he's standing at the yep. foot of the stairs anyways it's a yep. it's a wonderful moment but um i I would point to at least two other scenes that, uh, I mean, I just love every scene he's in. I love, I love that he is incorporated into the group almost seamlessly Yeah. Uh, in this episode. Uh, but the two moments there's a, of course the, um, it's always gotta be blood. Blood is life. Sure. Why do you think we yep. eat it? It's what keeps you going, makes you warm, makes you hard, makes you other than dead. It's a classic line. I love that. Yep. Uh, and then of course him, when he breaks down into just like yeah. full body sobs at the, at the very end, that gets me. Yeah. I actually made a note that it's, you know, I feel like Allie is usually, or, you know, Willow is usually our, our sort of emotional avatar to the show. Mm -hmm. If she feels safe, we feel safe. If she's scared, we're scared when she cries. That's usually what gets me. Yeah. Um, and I love her moment at the end when she's kind of uh, you know, like uh, huddled into Tara and she's crying and, and very few actresses cry as well as she does. Right. Always that said, I absolutely agree with you when it cut to, I remember this the first time I saw it when it cut to spike bawling in a ball, mm -hmm. that, that is what broke me. Yeah, man. You know that Buffy's dead and you see these wonderful reactions and then it goes to him. And I remember that being, I totally agree. That was the moment. Oof. Yeah. Good stuff. You know, and, I, and I love the expression on he, he's so good. And when Joel tosses him off up on the, there is this wonderful look that he gives Dawn. Yeah. Where, you know, he, he feels so human and, and having failed in that moment. And he doesn't have to say his, he's sorry. His eyes are screaming it, and you know, most of the time I, I, I adore Spike. It's because he's kind of funny and quippy, and then he brings the, the pathos, and you love him even more. And I and I love James for that. He can go on a dime. I don't want to say faster or better, but he does it so well of being able to to go from quippy, lovable a hole to. So one of those moments where he says, you know, I know you'll never know, love me, but you treat me like a man. And I was like, oh, my God. Mm. <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah, there there was a scene in this episode and I, I can't I can't remember what it was. It, it wasn't a, a particularly powerful scene. It wasn't like one of the standout moments, but there was just a, a 
maybe a shot where it cut from one actor over to uh, Spike's face, over to James Marsters. And I remember thinking, um, like, all these actors are great, but there's just something about James Marsters. <laughs> there's yeah. something about the 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 life that he brings to this character that even in this even in just a cutaway shot where he's not even saying anything, I can read so much in that character. Yep. So anyways, that goes all the way back to school hard. I mean, he was whatever it was, a two episode villain, maybe even a single villain. And it was absolutely James that kept Spike around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I want to ask you going back to that six minute setup scene. uh, I forgot that one of the things that we got, first of all, props to, Anya, um, that she, that she handled that situation again. This is something that I feel like Joss Whedon does so well. He, he you were just talking about how James Marsters can uh, be funny and quippy and goofy. He can be the the fall guy or whatever uh, the Pratt fall guy in a scene, and then immediately cut into a something just filled with gravitas. Mm-hmm. Joss balances those two things so well that uh, Anya still gets to act in her self-preservation uh you know i think what is her line she says uh want to be helpful want to live or something like that um that's totally in character for her and and is funny the way that she's always funny but she is also being genuinely helpful and concerned yeah um she's the one that remembers the dagon sphere which they've had for how many episodes now and this is the first time anybody has thought Oh yeah, that's in the basement. Maybe we should do something with that. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I mean, and he, there's a to your point that turn when Giles is like, "Can you can you offer anything?" And she offers the two things that are their only real weapons. Yeah. Aside from Willow, I mean, but. Well, that's the other thing I want to I want to talk about because uh, I've seen it does bother some people, and it kind kind of bothers me, but. I'm not sure that I care. Uh, when did Olaf become a troll god exactly? Oh, I don't, I don't remember that. Yeah, um, I don't know if that was just just a way to sort of have a Thor's hammer moment. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what it was. They just wanted to say, and I don't even know if they had to do that. Like it could have just been that the weapon is so powerful that it could hurt Glory. But yeah. I don't remember in any episode before this where they had where they said only you know, the weapon of a God can hurt a God. If they had ever set that up, then maybe I'd understand why they have to retcon (laughs) Olaf into being a troll God. Um, But I don't think they ever did that. So it seems unnecessary that they had to do that. Because I mean, it could just be a big heavy hammer that most people can't lift. And I love the moment spikes like, look, it's great and all, but you can't use it. Yeah. And then she picks it up and he's like, Oh, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, those little moments of, uh, emasculation that Spike yeah. has to endure are always great. Um, just, I did have one note. Well, if we get past the dojo mm-hmm. um, and I, I certainly, I, I had not thought about this in a long time, but it screamed at me now. She punches the bag right off the chain, mm-hmm. which is exactly what cap does in the first Avengers. Oh yeah. <laughs> has Buffy done that before? I don't, I don't remember. Okay. Uh, just for just now, it made me go, "Oh, Joss stole from himself," <laughs> which was fair. <laughs> when she did that, I remember thinking, I remember feeling like, "Oh, she's done that before." But now that you say that, I might have been thinking about Cap. <laughs> I don't know. That's funny. Um, 
the Buffy bot. That's um, right. I mean, I, I remember um, when this aired and, and seeing that, I thought it was a great callback. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I was, I'm not a huge fan of I Was Made to Love You. Yeah. Uh, but using it again made sense. And then the fact that they don't really tip it off that when it's used until glory knocks the head off, you know, they kind of just, there's the moment there. and I love the robotics. You know, it's like, he's like, Oh, maybe Willow wanted it. And he's like, I don't think that she thinks of Buffy that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no dummy for the, you know, and then there's that, that's just kind of this throwaway. And that's again, kind of one of those setups that Joss does well where it can just be this quirky scene until you watch it like the second time or whatever. And you go, Oh no, they're very clearly reminding you that this is here. And then there is no, why don't we send the Buffy bot in to diffractor or to do whatever? I mean, I remember the first time that we saw it, I thought that it was Buffy. Yeah. Of course. Until she hits her. Of course. Um, Yeah. There's the scene where they come out of the basement and they, they call Buffy over to have a talk with her, but we don't get to hear what the talk is. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember who we're watching at that moment, but uh, it, we catch the tail end of that conversation where she's like, where Buffy says something like, no, no, that's great. I think that's a great idea. We should use that yeah. or, or something like that. And that's it. That's all. That's the only sort of hint that we get that this could happen. Yeah. And, and I, I did not remember if that was, and I don't know if that's supposed to be, hey, let's use the Buffy bot. That's, or how, that's if, how I took it. Or if it's, hey, let's use the wrecking ball. Oh, I don't. Well, that could be that too. I don't know. I don't know. Because as much as I love that moment too, it's a little convenient that <laughs> Glory <laughs> standing right there. But I'll yeah, yeah. Because coming through the wall and throwing her through a second wall, I remember I I, I cheered the first time I saw that. Oh yeah, no, it's a great moment. So, um, in addition to that, all right. So here's the thing: I recognize that I often nitpick this series. Uh, in these podcasts. Some of that is genuine because I think there is certainly stuff that deserves to be nitpicked. Um, Some of it is just a way of sparking conversation and debate for this podcast. Uh, But ultimately, believe it or not, listeners, and some of you may not believe it, I don't know. uh, I am far more interested in sort of the emotional honesty and the impact uh, than anything else. Um, Even when there are genuine nits that I could be picking on things like uh, the Buffy bot uh, acts very unbuffy bot like just for the scene where she's fighting glory just so that it will fool us the viewers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um willow presumably didn't reprogram or didn't have time to and even if she did how come in season six when the buffy bot comes back she's back to being buffy bot <laughs> right. um so i mean that's a that's a nit that i could pick or the whole troll hammer thing the the olaf the troll god thing um like these are and and how does how does Xander conveniently find a, a wrecking ball? This is stuff that, yeah. that ultimately I actually don't care about yeah. because it is just so emotionally genuine and, and impactful um, that, that I'm a hundred percent down for it. Yeah. I think you make a good point that, um, because even in this episode we we get a good, you know, Buffy, glory fight when they're up on the scaffolding whatever mm-hmm. but really a buffy glory battle is inconsequential it's it's insignificant in this episode um and i i like that we get a little bit of it 
and they kind of fight each other and they both kind of win, they both kind of lose, but in the end, it's it's dealt with very quickly because that's it's not really what Joss is interested in. You know, to your point, he's interested in the emotional stuff with Buffy and Dawn after it. I mean, that's given way more gravitas than than the glory of it. Yeah. Um, and in fact, it's not even glory that quote unquote loses. It's Ben, which I, I think is another wonderful moment to give to give Giles. Um, but it's it's the episode really isn't about the fight with glory. It's it's. And I didn't really kind of think about that until I just watched it for this. But I was like, you know, we've kind of been building up to it. Um, and even even season four, um, you know, killing Adam was sort of a little inconsequential um, because Joss just wanted to get to Restless. And he wanted <laughs> yeah. to. There's other stuff that is way more emotional and way more character-driven or plot-driven or, you know, whatever that, that – He's like, okay, I want to wrap this up, and I have to do this, and I have to do this, but you know, this that whole ending is about the moment with Dawn, um, and then the moment of of them having to realize that she's gone. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's about the you know, we could nitpick the fact that she fights Glory, and and that's kind of anticlimactic, and I don't think it is because you get like a good little fight out of it. You get the wrecking ball, you get the Buffy bot. But then Joss gets to go play with what he wants to play with in this, which is the, the bit about the two sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's a little bit on the head that it's happening at dawn, with dawn. <laughs> yeah, with yeah. the sunrise and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, but it's beautiful. It doesn't. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, and, but it's it's in, and I wanted to tell you, and I'll just use this because it's it's an easy parallel. But um, I've been so busy that I have not, I, I embarrassingly and, and selfishly, I'm just upset because I really do enjoy the show, but I have not been able to listen to them all. But I did listen to The Body, um, which I thought was excellent. Oh, thank um, you. Yours and Orlo's commentary on it was, was was genuinely excellent. But you make a very good point in it about, you know, it's a little heavy-handed that the, the sketching is the body and the negative space you know, around it. And it's, it feels a little bit on the nose, you know, and this is, this is the same thing. It's kind of like, really, we're, you know, Dawn is at Dawn and there's Dawn and then we're looking (laughs) at the Dawn. It's so gorgeous and it's so beautiful and it, and it works for me that I was like, Oh, it's just like the negative space in the body. I have to tell Paul that. Um, Well, first of all, thank you for, for enjoying that episode, but uh, I, I hadn't even, thought of the sort of parallels there but um but i think he does it a lot i think it goes back to what you were just saying about like he's he you know i always say joss and company because he has a lot of really talented yeah 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 um but they are way more interested in in the characters and the emotional aspect and and it's not the slayer of it all as much as it is the buffy of it all Mm -hmm. um you know and that comes through even in this like okay take care of glory do it in a fun way that Giles gets to take out Ben. I think that's amazing, <laughs> that moment. You know, when he even says she's a hero, you know, she's not like us. I was like, oh, damn, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> but then we're right into this story about two sisters. And by the end of season five, I, I mean, I, I always have a little soft spot for Dawn because she is annoying. But 
I, I love that they were able to create this character that did not exist, and yet they all have memories that she did. And by that moment in five, I mean, we even end on her right before the, the um, grave shot. The, I mean, the show ends on Dawn. Yeah. Um, again, it's a little bit of punny with the name and, you know, that Buffy dies in the morning and whatever. But I think that was Joss saying these lives go on. It is about the emotional thing, even if, you know, we're going to cut to the two. Um, Do you remember if there was ever any uh, speculation or, or, or questioning about whether the series would continue minus Buffy and they would move Dawn up into, I, I asked that because on this rewatch, I also noted the fact that uh, we get Buffy's voiceover. We get to hear what Buffy just said to Dawn in voiceover mm-hmm. after the fact. And the, yes, the last shot before the, the headstone is of Dawn. Um, I, I had the same thought that you did basically, where I was like, this is significant that they are making, they are giving yeah. us this voiceover and a shot of Dawn as basically the last scene. Um, yeah. So I, I just, I wonder I if there was ever any. I remember them talking that very seriously about doing a Ripper yeah. series. Yeah. I, I don't, I do not remember if, and, and to, to your point, I, I could be remembering it incorrectly. The, the whole UPN thing may have already been in discussion, mm-hmm. but by this point, I, I feel like, I don't know why I remember thinking of this being as a, a bow tie, but maybe, maybe we already knew. I remember all those billboard of Buffy lives and I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, we kind of expect that, but you know, yeah. let us, let us get there. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not really a spoiler, but come on. Almost, almost worse than that is the whole, uh, spike moves over to angel. Uh, like we knew in Buffy season seven, we knew weeks and weeks in advance, uh, that, James Marsters was going to become a regular on Angel after Buffy was over, and then they kill Spike in the end of Buffy, and you're like, yeah, but that doesn't really... <laughs> I mean, we know that's not going to stick. Um, I remember yeah. people were so upset about that. I think that's one of those moments where you, you, you try to believe, and you can tell yourself, but you try to believe, like, I need to do the best thing for this series. Because what if in 10 years or 20 years or whatever it's been, 30 years come down, you know, down the lane, um, maybe somebody didn't watch Angel and this would be, you know, the end of Spike's story. And I think any any showrunner has to say, I'm going to tell this story the best way that I think I can, because at some point people are not going to have those, you know, variety and deadline and whatever headlines yeah. surrounding the episode that's airing that week. And this actually, like, more to the point, this is why I personally, and I know that this is just me personally, it's not everybody, but this is why I personally have never particularly been bothered by the notion of spoilers, uh, because um, even knowing something like, like, even knowing that, oh, Buffy will be back, that she's got two more seasons ahead of her, so... Um, that doesn't ruin my experience of this ending. I still experience all the same emotions as if, as if this is a finale. And so, yeah, it's that emotional honesty I was talking about. So it's why I can rewatch things multiple times and still get the same enjoyment out of them. Mm -hmm. Um, but 
anyways. Um, I just, I just realized something. I just had a little flashback to something, uh, to the, to your point when you were saying, when I said, you know, they called Buffy aside and they were like, and and we didn't get to hear what they were talking about. I thought that was about the Buffy bot and you were like, it could, you know, it also could have been the, the, uh, wrecking ball, um, in the scene as conveniently situated as it was when glory kind of steps back into what is very clearly a full scene. <laughs> like there's so much yeah. space. You can just tell it's being set up for something. Yeah. Um, Buffy actually looks to the side. It cuts, mm-hmm. it cuts back to Buffy and Buffy looks over to the wall that the wrecking ball is going to be coming through before the wrecking ball hits, which tells me she knew that was going to happen. She deliberately put glory in that spot. So you're yeah. right. They probably did talk about that beforehand. Yeah. And, and it's another one of those nitpicky moments of like, how would you ever have, you know, made it to, to made it so specific that she would be in that moment at that time. And it doesn't bother me because I love the moment of the ball coming through the wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know what? Oh my gosh, that so can't work. I it, I still love it. This doesn't lessen it for me at all. But they didn't know where Glory was. They didn't know where she was, and they didn't know that Buffy could get her there. They didn't. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So they couldn't. Not only could they not. They didn't know where she was. So how would they even know to think that there could be? Yeah. Anyways, yeah. it all well, falls like, apart. Don't think about it too hard. Right. <laughs> um, that's one of those cool factor moments that you just go let it be. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Man, Whedonverse, the Whedonverse loves its season five finales with dimensional portals streaming out hordes of demons and flying dragons, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is, funny. I actually made a note. I'm like, is that dragon still out there? Yeah, that's that was my question. Is that the same dragon? <laughs> oh, from from not fade away? Yeah. It could be. <laughs> Man. He's, He's just been hanging out. Like what happened? And what happened to the, the alien looking demons in the um, city hall building? Those were cool. I don't think that those ever come back. Yeah, that was super cool. I want that story of that that sort of sci-fi universe with the the cross between the xenomorphs and the gentleman is what they looked yeah. like. Yeah, man, that was that was cool. Um, That's funny. Yeah, again, I did make a note of that too. That's really funny. Um, did anyone know that the Slayer is a robot? Did, I- <laughs> did anybody else know that? God, that's so funny. Good stuff. Uh, I love Claire Kramer. Yeah. Uh, all right. So what else do we have in here? Um, I, I've said before, and I will continue to say this. I love, I absolutely love um, the the superhero comic book trope of having characters come together and have to learn how to work as a team. So mm-hmm. so things like this, this episode is all about them. That's, that's so Joss. Yeah, yeah, it's all about them figuring out how each person can play their part. And when taken together, they can overpower glory. So Buffy has spent this entire season saying, I can't fight her. The reason why the, the Buffy and glory fight was almost anticlimactic is because we've lived with that fight for 21 episodes now basically we've seen them actually fight several times and buffy always gets her ass handed to her and she's just constantly talking about how i can't beat her i can't beat her if she shows up we're dead um so yeah the the point wasn't the fight between buffy and glory because we've been living with that for so long already it was everybody coming together once again it's the fact that the slayer by herself might not have been able to pull it off but a slayer with friends and family 
Yeah, I forget. You're absolutely right, and I forget if it's. I don't think it goes back to school hard, but I want to say that it's a spike line where somebody says like, "The Slayer has friends." Like that certainly wasn't in the manual. That was Spike, and I, I, I also think it was school hard. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but that's. I mean, that has been a trope. Isn't the right word for this show, but that has been a ongoing thing. Yeah. And then trope trope is is degrading it. I apologize. But that, that is part of the DNA of, of Buffy, um, just like it is with Firefly, just like it is with the Avengers. Um, um, I'm, I'm almost certain I have not heard, but I'm going to say just like it's going to be with Nevers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what he does. You know. Oh, man. Um, Even his, I think, because I think you and I talked about it here the last time with family. I mean, he even he does a whole episode. Yeah. That is all about chosen family. Um, yeah, and that's. You know, I think you're right to to point it out as being, you know, even to best of God, you know, it's not about hitting her with the hammer. It's about all of that. You know, te- Willow is not going to be able to charge up the stairs, but I love that moment where mm. they hold hands, just like in Hush, mm-hmm. um, and he's able to run up. It is. It's all team. And um, remind me, uh, if, if you remember this better than I do, most uh, you can't possibly remember it worse than I do. <laughs> um, but that's a gimmick. That's a that's a trick that she pulls a few more times in the future. Right. That sort of uh, talking telepathically into somebody's head and setting them up for a for a so. good moment. Yeah. I feel it's like funny. for the first time I saw it and I, and I even thought about it this time. I was like, is she talking through that? that pipe because it does sound <laughs> metallic and it and it's framed like like spike is listening through the pipe and I was like, that's hilarious i hadn't thought that now i need to go rewatch like, it happening and I, had it not been for the cut to willow with her mouth not moving that i go oh oh yeah, yeah of course you could do that yeah yeah it's very funny and then you know again with the whole anticlimactic thing buffy gets up there and just tosses joel right off the off the top. Cause again, it's not about, we don't need to see a fight there. Right. You know, but we've seen Joel best spike. So how do we get around that? And then almost exactly opposite of, and I think we mentioned this at the beginning, exactly opposite of the cold open where, you know, we wanted to see something there. I feel like we wanted to see something there here. We don't, this isn't about Joel. And this is, we don't need to see a second fight. And so her to just toss him off. Like it's nothing because right now it's about her getting to Dawn. I think works. It, it doesn't just work as a joke, which I think is funny. It's 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 a funny moment, but it works. There's nothing that is going to stand between her getting to Don at that moment. Yeah. No, I agree. I uh, I adore Joel Gray, and it breaks my heart. But that was a that was a hilarious way and a fitting way <laughs> to get rid of him. Um, and I, I've said many times, I just I love the sort of the dynamic, the relationship that is established between Spike and Dawn, the fact when he comes up under the tower, Dawn just trusts that he's there to help her, that he's there to mm-hmm. save her, and that he looks genuinely heartbroken, that he realizes yep. he's about to be thrown off this tower and is not going to be able to save Dawn. Uh, the whole line, because I made a promise to a lady. Yeah. Um, great stuff. And then, yeah, the emotion. So... Again? And you get that moment where Joel says, he's like, I don't smell any part of a soul on you. Yeah. Like it's, that's really hit home. Um, 
where he is, you know, and I, it's no secret I love Hope Angel, um, but that is what separates Spike from him is that he is choosing a lot of what happens against his very nature. Has anyone ever made the argument, and I would not be the one to do this because I am a diehard Spike fan and I love the difference between Spike and Angel, but has anyone ever made the pitch that if Angelus had spent as much time around uh, or, or, you know, in the presence of Buffy as Spike does, that he may have started experiencing this oh, sort know. of spontaneous soul regrowth or whatever that Spike is going through. Um, I, I personally believe that it is just a difference between Spike and Angel, but if this is the first time it's ever occurred to me to wonder if maybe this is a thing that, that uh, like maybe she could have saved Angelus the same way she kind of technically saves Spike. I, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I mean, my first reaction is that, you know, Angel, when he is just the 20 year old or whatever he is, is kind of a dick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know? um, so, and, and William, when he's kind of, or when he's 20 is kind of this genuinely nice, caring, supportive guy. Yeah. Um, I think innately they're two different people before they're turned. So I don't know. That's a really interesting question. Oh, I'm sure there's fan fiction out there for it. Um, but then okay. I do love, because you said we knew that they were, you know, he was going to be on Angel, and I do love them together on oh, Angel. Oh, they're, they're great. They're great. Uh, just like I say that, uh, you know, there there is a part of me, there's a small part of me that almost wishes that this was the series finale of Buffy. Um, I adore the fifth season of Angel. I adore Not Fade Away. I have long, I have always said, and I continue to say, it is hands down my favorite series finale ever. Um, and I would not trade that for anything, but I do miss, I, I am disappointed that we only got one full season of spike of the spike and angel comedy hour. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I, I wish that it had longer to play out than it did, but yeah, I mean, I, and I give them a lot of credit for, for turning angel into the show that it is. Cause you know, it is, it is a, I mean, I'm, I'm, I didn't mind Connor the baby, but I'm never, I've never been a fan of Connor the teenager. Uh -huh. Despite that, I think Angel is a consistently great show, even when they had to turn things on their head, um, like Illyria and like, I don't know, whatever, like you know, turning Buff or turning turning Wesley from rogue demon hunter, you know, into this amazing character that he is, and turning Cordy into this amazing character that she becomes. Now. It's a, it's a it's a in some ways kind of more impressive show that they they took what they had and made it different and it works even better. Yeah. Yeah. Than what Angel started as. I mean Angel started off as Batman and became this totally other show. Right. In a good way. You know. And I love the Batman stuff, but it is it is a totally uh, more emotional show by the end of it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of emotional, we should, I mean, you've already said a little bit about it, but we should talk about the sort of final moments between 
Don. So, so I'm a Don apologist, and I, I don't think I need to be a Don apologist with you. I think you said you're also a Don fan. Yeah, I mean, you know, she gets, she has her moments, good and bad. But the fact that they were able to say we're going to introduce a character here that you need to believe has always been there. Yeah, I mean, that must have been a radical pitch. I don't know who made that. It was probably Joss. Probably. I'm, I'm going to do this because there's the there's the line way back when of like it's where was in three. I you think talk- it's, we were. Where Faith and Buffy are talking. Yeah, the the dream of setting it up. Yeah, so I mean, it's not like they just whipped this out and said, oh, how can we be wacky and we're going to shoot JR or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) But, but, yeah, I mean, I think think by the end of five, I was like, wow, I I believe this. I care about her. I I think the tragedy of season of season six and seven. I mean, we could argue there are multiple tragedies maybe that come out of seasons six and seven, but one of the tragedies is that I don't think Dawn ever gets treated as well as she does uh, by the end of season five. I think um, where I'm going with this is her moment where she is clearly on the tower when she realizes that the, the portal has opened, it's happening and Dawn makes the decision. The only way to end this is I have to jump and she goes to do it. Like, that is a beautiful moment. It's mm-hmm. it. It doesn't rob anything from Buffy's sacrifice, but it does kind of. It, it is interesting that Dawn was the first one who was going to make that sacrifice and seemed emotionally prepared to do it. It was just a powerful moment, and I loved Dawn in that moment. And I feel yeah. like um, from for the rest of the series, I, I honestly don't remember what she's like in season seven. But I think in season six. Um, most of season six sort of regresses her back to the irritating sibling. Yeah. Um, I may be mistaken on that, but my, my memory is that Dawn never really kind of gets treated as well um, by the writers as she, as she is being by the end of season five. Well, and you make the good point in the, in the body commentary that in that scene, right before Buffy gets to the school, we get to see Dawn just be a teenager and it's not, it's not annoying. It's, I mean, it's, it feels like just this teenager show in a good way. Um, she doesn't get a lot of those moments of just being somebody. So to elevate her to this moment where she goes, I need to make this sacrifice. I totally agree. It's a great moment for her. Um, in fact, it's one of my, it's one of my little nitpicks of once the bleeding starts, the bleeding has to stop in order to, <laughs> In order to um, save the world or stop the um, stop the ritual, so the only thing. So I'm like, why does it stop when Buffy goes? I mean, they and they they hit you over the head with we're the same blood, and I'm like, okay, that's right, and it's a it's a beautiful moment. But I I actually went back, and there is a line when they're up on the tower, and Dawn says, I actually wrote it down. It has to have the blood. Yeah. And I thought that was this really specific line because it's the turning point of it's not that my blood has to stop flowing because it's the blood that starts it. We, we actually see that, the, you know, the blood drips yeah. and the portal opens mid, mid air, you know, in the middle of the sky. And then it's like, oh, well, the blood has to stop. The blood has to stop. The blood has to stop. And then she says this very specific line, it has to have the blood. And I went, oh, okay. That was my out for it working at all that Buffy could 
sacrifice. It's it's got that fuzzy logic that um, I always I always try to nitpick on the podcast, but ultimately I'm like it's magic, and I kind of I know I, I know it annoys people, but I kind of like the fact that sometimes the magic is just don't worry about it. The magic just yeah. does what it does. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, it and, and I don't think it takes anything away from her saying I need to go do this. Right. Dawn from Dawn saying I need to go do this. Right. Okay, so I want to bring this up, uh, possibly as our sort of final topic, unless you've got other stuff. But uh, no, I mentioned Glory, Glory quipping about Buffy being a robot, which makes me laugh every time. <laughs> So I want to raise the specter and I, I've, I've kind of brought this up on the last couple of episodes, I think maybe, um, which I, I don't, I don't know if you've listened to them or not, but they, the notion of, is it, how do we feel about Buffy's sacrifice? God, I'm trying to be so careful about the way I word this. I have, I have my feelings on the subject of suicide and I'm in therapy. We don't need to get into it on the podcast. So I, I am not, uh, these are not my views. The views on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of, of the host. Um, I guess what I'm asking is, is there a read of the end of Buffy, the vampire slayer season five, where Buffy is just looking for a way out? Sure. I mean, that, that, that is set up in the dojo where right. she's saying, where she says, I'm out. Right. You know, she says, I, I don't, I cannot explain this anymore. Now that, that, okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to like do two different things. Number one, you're absolutely right. You can read that that way because she says it. Now I feel like that is a setup to the moment where she says to Don, the hardest thing in this life is to live it whatever the exact wording is. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. It's to live in it. And, and so her, the idea that she wants to give up, um, as we've kind of seen her do at the end of season three, three, says, or was it three or two when she, two, where she says, I'm turning my back on, on the council and I'm, oh, yeah. you know, go to, she, you know, we've seen her go her own way and we've seen her, you know, rebel. But this is, but in that dojo scene, it's the first time where she goes, "I'm over it. I, I cannot defend this anymore. I don't understand it anymore." Um, so yes, and then it, you know it comes up in six, and I think this is actually a a, um, a fair assessment of it, where she is a little bit angry about getting pulled out. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, she's <laughs> angry about it. Fair note. It's not like. You know, there is that moment and it, it hits in once more with feeling where she she says, I think I was in heaven. Yeah. And then I cut to, to Willow where she's like, oh, my God, I never even thought about that. Yeah. I never thought that we were bringing you back to a worse place. Um, you know, but I don't know. You know, yes, I think that the whole I want to give up moment in the dojo is to set up Dawn. I am telling you that this world is worth it. And it's it's worth living in it, and you need to believe that. So it's it's like I said, I'm, I'm diverging here because you're absolutely right to say that there's a read on that. I think it's to set up that she's like, look, I need to do this for you, 
And I don't, I don't think in that moment she's even doing it for Giles or Xander or Willow. It is, it is again a sister moment. It is a, it is a, again a blood moment. Yeah. Um, I, I, so I don't. But I'm sorry. So I, I don't want to dissuade from what you were t- trying to say. Or what, do you think it's a darker connotation? Or do you think that there's a, there's something else there? Um, I, I don't know how much of it is. I think this, but I. I have a tendency to try and see multiple reads of things, <laughs> even yeah. even in moments where I have my own read. There is a way that I view this story and there's a way that I internalize it and, and emotionally I experience it. But I'm also noticing things and and imagining that people could make the argument for X, Y and Z. Um, and so I feel like even it's like earlier throughout the season, probably since the death of Joyce. Um, I feel like there have been, and and this is only with foreknowledge, this is only on a rewatch when you know where things are going, but I felt like I was seeing hints of, you know, they're not going quite as far in this episode as to say Buffy is considering suicide, but I feel like that's the direction it's going and knowing that where the episode, where the season ends, was this intentional? Um, And the reason why I want to be so careful, not only is suicide a touchy subject, but I am famously not necessarily a fan of Buffy Summers. And so um, it's important that people know it's not my read. I am not belittling Buffy for taking the quote unquote easy way out. I'm not suggesting that I think Buffy just wanted to commit suicide and this was her excuse. But I feel like it's possible to spot clues that that's where it's going. And I'm just wondering if P- if there are people who watch this show and are genuinely upset because they feel like, you know, that wasn't Buffy being written into a corner. That wasn't Buffy realizing this is the only solution. Even if it was, that's not what that was. It was Buffy recognizing this is what she's wanted to do since her mother died. Wow. See, See? I mean, way, way to go from did everybody know that the Slayer was a robot to where we are right now? Right, right. <laughs> See, I, I, I almost. No, I, don't, I don't think that you're wrong. I mean, there, there is certainly they even allude to the whole death is your gift. Right. Um, the the episode is called the gift, and we are, you know, there has to be a, a certain alluding to the fact that. If anybody tries to kill Dawn, I'm going to kill them. Right. You know, what is what is the gift? Um, and the fact that her dying is the gift to the world, how does she reconcile? She knows she's going to die, I think. I don't think this is one of those moments where she says, I might get through this. She knows she's going to die. So how does she reconcile with the fact that the gift is her killing herself. Well, she has that, she has that line with Spike earlier where she says, uh, we're not, we're not all making it through this. You know that. And Spike took that, uh, uh, as suggesting that Spike was not going to make it through. And he's like, I always knew I would go down fighting, which is a great Spike moment. But I actually, I don't think that's what (laughs) Buffy was saying. I think you're right. I think Buffy was just assuming that, um, whatever other casualties are coming out of this, I'm going to be one of them. Could be. Yeah. I think she had, I think she had justified that. I think that's, 
you know, this is the biggest, you can't, again, this is like that Superman asterisk. You can't build up somebody and not have the foe or something build with it. Mm -hmm. You know, and they had to get to a God stance. I mean, and then we can get into, you know, are we having a God conversation with the, you know, sci-fi magic show um, and then getting into sacrifice. And I'm like, you know, yes, it's now, now it's a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, okay. Well, no, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting read. And I think it's, uh, it's, I'll say it's a, it's an absolutely a fair read. It's a super dark read. You're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong, but, um, uh, yeah. And I don't want it to, I really don't want it to taint the sort of emotional impact that we get from, uh, her friends moving on without her or whatever. Yeah. And I don't remember, uh, if I don't remember if this specific subject comes up over the course of season six, like if there's ever the suggestion, I mean, obviously they bring Buffy back against her wishes, uh, yeah. without her consent from a better place. So that by itself is what Buffy is struggling with. That's the, the sort of PTSD that Buffy has to deal with. Um, but I don't remember if there's ever any suggestion, no matter how small or brief, that uh, that this is kind of like someone who uh, was prevented from committing suicide and and is resentful of that. I, I honestly don't remember. Yeah, if, I can't if, remember if, either. If, there, if there's that kind of a of an on the nose isn't the right way to say it, but if there is that much of a moment that alludes back to. Hey guys, I chose this. There is a line at some point, and I don't remember where it was. If it's in, if it's in once more with feeling, I can't remember. But at least once, Buffy says something to the effect of, "I thought I was done." Oh, I don't know. That's a great moment, though. I and mean, it's a great line on her part. You know. Yeah. Because I, 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 again, I also think it's a fair moment where she's like, "I don't understand this anymore." I'm I'm done. I mean, she basically says that in the dojo, mm -hmm. and, I, and I don't think that's an unfair thing for her to be like. I just want my mom here. I now I have this sister. Now I have this, you know. And it's one of the only things that I I, I like is a weird word, <laughs> but it's one of the things that I like about season six is that there's all of this weight of the world. Pardon the reference, <laughs> right? <laughs> But I mean, she's really feeling it. With the, it's the first time that anybody's like, "How do you pay for that house? How do you, how do you live even any kind of a normal life?" While you know, we're so accustomed to you just getting past that, or we don't care about all the real stuff because you're fighting the demons. And six at least addresses quite a bit of that. Yeah. Wow. This was almost heavier than the body. <laughs> um, is there anything else we need to mention? Oh, oh, I did want to bring this up. Another one of those things that I could nitpick, but I, again, emotional honesty, and I'm cool with it. But it is interesting that Giles um, seems to think that Buffy, and I've already got a way of fan wanking my way out of this, like what the show actually meant by this versus how, how it says it. But Giles is like, you know, Buffy could never take a human life, even to protect her own. Um, when he's talking to Ben and admitting that he's about to kill him, um, yeah. that is that completely ignores the fact that in the last episode, she supposedly cut her way through 10 nights of Byzantium. Yeah. 
who are who are we assume are are human are as far as we know are totally yeah. human yeah yeah um yeah. but whatever <laughs> well i mean and and you know it's not the first time that they've had that conversation because it goes back to when faith kills the the deputy mayor i think so yeah somebody and it's bad girls or or whatever um you know and there is that moment where giles says look this is not the first time that you know casualties happen and we you know we have to come to grips with it ourselves but it's you know it does happen um which I, I really I remember really liking that moment even back then of saying, well, there are these real consequences, you know. And even Xander in this episode says, I mean, I, I get he's an he's an innocent, but he's not like Don innocent. Yeah, you know. So they're 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 living in the gray already. But even that moment, even that Xander moment, uh, we get to, um, a Joss stepping in as the writer director of this episode, he gets to add the, uh the Whedon verse uh, stamp of that's a no, no <laughs> to any discussion of killing a mortal because um, Xander raises the question and it's a completely logical, perfectly normal question to ask. And then everybody around the table with the possible exception of Giles, because Giles has thought about it too. Everybody around the table, including Anya of all people and spike of all people have yeah. this look of, are you out of your mind? And then, and then Xander is just like, Oh God, like, like what have we become that we've even considered this? And that is a moment of, of, of moral weight that is just dropped into this scene to remind us that by Joss Whedon's Buffy verse philosophy, that is a no, no, you cannot do that. And and, and yet it and yet it happens. <laughs> yeah, what a setup. Um, and and I don't think that the, that the payoff would have worked if it was Spike. I don't think it would have worked if it was Anya. Oh yeah. No, there's there's no other way for it than to be to see that other side of, of Giles. And like I said, I, I was hitting it hard about the here he is as the father figure, and I love him as the father figure, but. You know, we bloody well are talking about that, and he bloody well does it. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Man, I love Giles, and I, I believe, this is the last time that Giles is a regular in the opening credits. Is that oh, true? I don't remember that. Because I'm, I'm sorry, and because it, it's at the end of six. That he says, I'll test that theory, right? So he's gone most of... He he leaves at some point pretty early in season six, yeah. 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 Um, I can't I can't remember. I thought maybe I had read somewhere that uh, one of the... One of the bullet points on this episode is it's the last time Giles features as a regular cast member in the opening credits. But that, I don't, that almost can't be true, because certainly the f- first episode of season six would still have him in it. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll find out. Uh, we'll find out when yeah. I get into season six but at some point uh Allie gets the and title doesn't she i think so yeah yeah and uh they finally season six finally puts tara in the credits oh she's deserved i love tara yeah me too all right wow this it, was a big one it was uh anything else anything we didn't cover no i was i was funny i was just going through notes and i didn't um no i think i jot i think we chatted everything that i jotted Okay. Uh, Neither one of us mentioned the St. Crispin's Day speech. 
Oh, which I think is a great moment. Joss is really good about those those kind of big big scene moments that are actually just transitions. You know, mm-hmm. he he's good about giving the big moment to to the middle of an act instead of it just being a punch at the end. Yeah, um, and I think it's funny, and I and it, I love those moments when Giles and Spike are sort of buddy. Yes, that one, and then earlier you already mentioned it when uh, when um, Anya is about to get her her Dagon sphere moment, it starts with spike saying, look, what are you, why don't you think outside the box? And then Giles jumps in and he's like, yes, exactly. Anya, what are you contributing to this? And I'm like, wow, Giles and spike are buddies. Yeah. But but I I also still have this soft spot for when spike was tied up in Giles apartment. Mm hmm. And I was like, I was like, this is like a, this threes company microcosm in the middle of Buffy. I was like, I would watch this show. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I watched Passions with Spike. Let us never speak of it again. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> uh, ah. The funny is just as good as the heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah. But that's always, you know, that's always been kind of Joss's, one of his wonderful mottos is he's like, you can be dark and you can be heavy and you can do go to all those kind of places. But he goes, for the love of God, make a joke. Yeah. I mean, you cannot just live in one of them. Yeah. Whew. Okay. Um, yeah, I think we burned through all my notes. I don't think I have anything yeah. else. Um, I mentioned the crossover. So from here, Willow goes to break the news. And because she breaks the news, it's the, I think it's the epilogue scene in the season two finale. So we don't get to like, we don't get a response. <laughs> we don't oh, yeah. get, I think even a moment of uh, Angel's reaction to it. It's just Willow shows up and says, actually, I don't even remember if she says anything. We just know why she's there. Yeah. I, I don't remember specifically, but it is, it is just the, the tack at the end. Yeah. You know, so, and then we get that. I think we get, there's a scene at the beginning of Angel three where they are talking about it because he's gone off to the, he's gone off to the, um, monastery oh is that is that when he goes to the monastery yeah because he comes back after it and because because i think a gun or somebody is like who is this buffy person and cordy's like oh boy (laughs) that's right they do have that and then he comes back yeah so so Uh, i can't wait to get to angel all right (laughs) so (laughs) i think that's probably it um thank you yeah no this was great michael thank you for joining me for this Uh, i love having you on and uh, I hope you enjoy uh, AHS 84. Oh, yeah. I, I will. Uh, I'll touch base. So um, listeners, what you didn't get to hear before Michael and I started recording is uh, on my other podcast, Gobbly Geek, uh, we always do a, a Halloween celebration throughout the month of October that we call Gobblyween because we are uncreative uh, fools um, where we talk about various horror movies and um, having just discovered that Michael has a connection to American horror story. I'm, I'm trying to find a fit for him to come over and join us for an episode of gobbledy geek to talk about, uh, something horror. Yeah. I would love the it. Month of October. So, but, uh, yeah, I will, I'll absolutely let you know when we start watching and, and what we think. Cool. Thank you so much. Not just for that, but for having me as always, it's yeah. always so much fun. It's, it's great. So you want to let the listeners know how they can find you? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on, um, it's always look for Holland Imaginarium. Um, that's on, um, I think it's on Facebook. It's on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm never on Twitter, but I do have a Twitter account. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm around. 
All right. Holland Imaginarium. And check out American Horror Story Season oh, 9. Good grief. Nine. And Great. watch watch the credits. Watch all the way through the credits. Exactly. There I am. Find Michael's <laughs> name. Uh, all right. And uh, thank you guys at home for listening. You can find links to this and all of our past episodes at the website conswithdead.com. Or you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Uh, if you do that, please rate us or write us a review and help spread the word. Uh, help us stand out from the crowd. Uh, if you've got questions for me or any of my guests, or if you just want to share your thoughts on anything we've discussed, please join the conversation. You can drop us an email at conswithdead at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter at conswithdead, or reach out to us on the Facebook uh, I almost said the Facebook group. I'm going to stop pitching the group since it's an invite only. Just We are conswithdead on Facebook. Just just track us down, facebook.com slash conswithdead. Really, some really good conversations happen on that. There, there are, yeah. It's fun. Again, yeah. super smart people. Yeah. Way smarter than me. <laughs> you and me. Well, me. You're better off. No, no. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, next week, back at last after literally ages, uh, professor and author Elizabeth Rambo finally uh, returns. She finally joins me uh, to kick off the cheeriest season in the entire run of Buffy Vampire Slayer. Uh, we'll be discussing episodes 601 Bargaining Part 1 and 602 Bargaining Part 2. Uh, until then, Gerarg, everybody. Gerarg. Now the vampires walking through the valley move west down Ventura Boulevard. And all the bad boys are standing in the shadows. And the good girls are home with broken.